The New Mexico Wildlife Federation presents the Ahiva Podcast. I was invited here today to give you information on creating more inclusion in the outdoors. Is that a hero you're looking for? Well, I guess I'll come to the rescue. Whoa, wait, hold on. Well, not actually to rescue any of you, of course. Frankly, you guys are already the heroes of many. But for the lost souls of our great nation, it is time for people like me to step to the trail. Campfires break change. All the while, these concrete jungles constrict and binding them. My mission although it's buried beneath the bedrock, will be unearthed at the peak of each mountain. My destiny is not for the rigid. It is a toilfully unforgiving affair that rewards the resilient with their uh, tenacity. But what of the weak world? Hmm? What of the poor spineless? Well, like Atlas, I shall carry them on my shoulders as well. Rest assured, I am not interested in your algorithm, odds, or statistics cast on the emails of the politicians. I'm only interested in truth. And if I'm telling you the truth, the burden of evolving these campfires will seem insignificant. Because against all odds, algorithms, and statistics, six years ago, a man drinking his life away after he lost everything, dancing to rap music in a room he is soon to be evicted from, somehow found another man hunting black bears in Alaska. Literally, that day I traded a half pound of weed for a bow. True story. All true. The truth that I saw was clear. Without Randy Newberg Hunter and Stephen Ranella's meat eater, these public outdoors could become extinct. I realized there was more of a market there was no market influence to represent folks like me to get into the outdoors from the cities and my grandma would tell me stories of her uncles never making it back from hunting quests, only to find them lynched in trees weeks later. And hell I get it. I've experienced hate on the mountain where I feared for my life, and I heard heart-wrenching stories from my brothers and sisters in the LGBTQ community about being harassed while enjoying these outdoors. So I've made it my personal mission to make these outdoors more inclusive. Make no mistake, I will save lives. The prison population will decrease and the number of suicides will go down. How? I'm sure you're all wondering. Let the campfires evolve. While the amenities of life assist in the regression of society, more money is spent on poison that masks the pain and is spent on getting rid of the pain. You see, the secret that I know is this. All of American trauma can be healed on the mountain. Media twists the poor minds. There's more money in pain, I suppose. So what's a regular state like me to do, huh? It's easy doing dirt when you're fresh out the mud. And unfortunately, when you're surrounded by these 
desert of food and fresh air, these therapeutical natures become completely out of reach. Something that should be an walk to the park or drive across town becomes extremely costly for someone struggling from generational economical anguish. And if you were listening to what I said, you heard walk in the park because thinking of hunting just seems irresponsible. Allow me to put things into perspective. When you have a low-income household and barely afford rent, some relying on public transportation, going out and spending $500 on a hunting rifle, and then $30 or $50 per box of ammo, and then somehow getting that gun and ammo to the shooting range, buying a license, buying tags, then taking time off of work to hunt for an animal you might not even see. The last time I checked, wasn't a lot of public transportation taking it to BLM. The issue we now face as Americans becomes something created to give us all access to food and therapy is now a club for the rich and privileged. And hey, I'm part of it too. Private land, public land with no access, tag prices, access to opportunities, and laws making it harder to harvest to keep hunting alive. Americans needed a dream, and I'm here to give them one. The American people are torn apart by turmoil, pleaded out on social media, and put their ear to the black hole for an answer. And Campfire Evolution has responded with a dream to unite this nation and its great people. But hey, dreams don't come handed to you. They don't come polished, and they don't come peaceful. They come true. I noticed in my community there's more of a market for brand name shoes and clothing than there was for any kind of outdoor therapy. And I realized the only reason I started outdoors is because I bumped into Randy's big old smile. So, driven by the Rocky Mountain elk, evolving the landscape into diversity, announcing to the world with its piercing bugle that we are here. Yet, the American people, driven by the media, are in need of a hero. So here I stand. Selected by divine huntervention to play my part. Part of a maverick. <laughs> I'm a malefactor. One who operated out of pure greed, but for other people's gain. Therefore, to be the example, I must lead by example. So I toss myself into the wilderness, not to educate, but to reconnect my soul and the souls of the lost ones. And I will not return from the wild only to have the mainstream hunting community judge the manner in which I create this dream. I stand here today in hopes of manifesting America's outdoor destiny. I am starting my own outdoor television show, cartoons, comic books, showing folks all the great aspects of the outdoors. The mountains will be painted in a rainbow-colored hue, and I'll be giving away more equipment for less fortunate to go outside. I will do these things to unite this people and our nation and amend America's Trump. You see, the truth of all truth is this. Without me, 
and without people like me. Your precious public land will become extinct. <laughs> and yeah, I'm, I'm definitely coming across cocky. But through my experiences, I've learned many things. And the key is this. The resilience shall prevail. I'm bridging minds, saving lives, one backstrap at a time. I'm Chilesti Cazador, and I will heal America's trauma through the outdoors. Now you can get out of the way, or please, join me. Only question remaining is, what side of history will you be on? Thank you. That was fantastic. Folks, welcome to the Aiva podcast. Jesse Dubell here with Orlando Chiles, who provided that powerful uh, introduction here to today's show. I was so fortunate earlier in the month of December to have the opportunity to, to meet Orlando for the first time and start to learn about the work that he's doing and the impact that he's making. And I couldn't be happier to introduce all you listeners uh, to this fantastic, innovative conservation champion. Arlando, do you want to start by, by telling your story, telling folks um, how how it came to be? And, and the, the presentation that you just provided kind of already alluded to some of that, but I'd, I'd love to hear more about how you got to where you are today. Well, um, it was sort of a, how, how I got here today, it was a lot of things sort of led to that. There was a lot of influence and a lot of people that uh, a lot of, a lot of, failed hunts and disappointing opportunities that sort of motivated this. Um, and I guess I can start in the beginning. Yeah, I had a really bad experience, man. I was drinking and driving. That was my birthday weekend. I uh, went out to play some pool on my birthday. I was super lonely. I had like, I had just dogs at home, dogs and weed. I was basically growing weed. I had a bunch of dogs. I was a bachelor. I was a personal trainer. So everything was nice and beautiful. I was paying for everything. It was beautiful, nice, single man living life. Went on my birthday five miles from my house, uh, got pulled over, literally, uh, I can throw a rock at my house, it was probably like 50 yards from my house, uh, and I got DUI, uh, don't drink and drive, that's, uh, that's just the moral of the story there, but uh, what that set into place is a bunch of unfortunate, okay, I lost my job, I lost my clients, you don't have a license, you can't drive to your clients, uh, you don't have clients you don't have a house to live in you don't have a house to live in your dogs don't have a place to live you got to rehome home your dog uh that's a whole luckily for me I'm, I'm i'm affiliated with a lot of uh uh pit bull breeders and, and dog breeders and in, in, in the bay area so it wasn't very hard for me because i have a lot of people that have kennels and i trust them but i can imagine for someone else who doesn't have uh the luck luckily connections that i did have to, to rehome your dogs and trust that your dog's going to go somewhere safe uh, lost everything. Everything was gone. And um, I just come, came home from court and got told how much money I got to pay and everything. And uh, I think I was acting at the time. So one of the gigs fell through and it was just a bad time. And I just drank and I'm at home. I got to get all my shit out. Uh, the landlord is basically like, you got to go. I'm like, all right, I can mess up. Um, and I'm playing music on TV and you know, I'm just YouTube, you know, it's got the fire stick. So I'm just playing everything on YouTube and, and playing music. And, uh, you know, went from Bay area, Andre Nicotina and Mac Dre to Randy Newberg for some weird reason. 
and uh, that's why I use the word huntervention or divine huntervention. Uh, that, that's the that's the experience that divines uh, the creation of the word uh, huntervention. Uh, so I'm not sure if that's a, in, in the in the dictionary, but I don't think it is. Uh, but that is the experience that solidifies that word uh, divine intervention or the saying divine intervention because there's no way in hell that you can go from today ever ever in life i don't think it's ever happened where you can go from dreadlock bay area raunchy not raunchy but bay area rap music to alaska black bear the algorithm has never worked like that since that day and any other hunting show would have changed that, would have turned it off, or would have completely, uh, uh, well, what am I doing? I'm watching this, this dude talk about how he's going to shoot. Like, what am I watching? Like, I don't want to watch this. And I have done that before multiple times, especially on like Saturday mornings, flipping through channels, and then you got stuff coming on, and you got, yeah, and I just change the channel because I don't like the way that they produce their television show. But Randy, man, I got the remote, and I'm, what, what, I'm looking at his big old smile. He just got off a plane and he's talking with this big old, just big old smile, man. Look at this guy smiling. Look at this guy. That's pretty cool right here. Like, okay, he's talking about his buddy. Okay. Oh, his buddy Bart showed up. Oh, that's cool. I wish me and my buddy Deshaun can go do some shit like this. Oh, wait, what? You can go hunt some black bears. Oh. Y'all was just talking about the good old days and all kind of stuff, and now I found out 15 minutes into the show, basically, that y'all about to go on some black bears. That is cool. Let me keep watching this guy. He goes out, he hunts the black bear, he shoots, they're driving around in boats, they're having a good old time. All right, hey, there's a good one. There's a good one. Let's uh, let's plan the win. Let's just see where the, let's see what he looks like. Let's just sit there and chill and look at him. I'm like, dude, this sounds like me and my buddy Deshaun chilling like, on the mountainside, taking a hike. Either we just smoked a blunt. And we just, in California, there's deer everywhere. And we're just like, dude, let's just sit there and look at him, bro. Let's just like, chill right here. Let's see what he does. Like, that's what we do. <laughs> so it was like, I can see myself doing that. Uh, so I went and bought a bow. And I'm like, I'm about to be homeless. I'm about to go, go to Bass Pro Shop. Got my hunter safety. Got me a bow. What, what a season is it? Okay. Boom. Perfect. I'm just going to, here I am. I know where, I know where the shit is. There's shit everywhere. Uh, in California, you just got to kind of like, you know, figure out how to get there and find it. And then, you know, I was shooting shit and eating shit for about six months. I was homeless, figuring out a situation, getting back to sort of uh, solidarity, if you will, a foundation. And uh, yeah, that's sort of what kept me from doing anything like, I mean, not that I have it in me doing anything stupid, but like there was nothing else I can waste my time with because all my time was focused in on like my bow and I wasn't even shooting it right. Like I didn't, I, the pin wasn't sighted in because I didn't, it was a cheap ass pin and I didn't know how to like adjust it properly because you have to hand do it. It was cheap as cheap as cheap as shit. Like, you know what I mean? You got to hand put the 20 in. All right. I just, I know when I'm at 20 yards, I have to put the arrow right, right there. And that was kind of like my mindset. Put the arrow there and that's where it'll go. Uh, I had no clue about arrow, different uh, arrows or weights or fletchings. I didn't give a shit. If I found an arrow, I would pick it up and shoot it. I was buying shit off of Amazon for twelve bucks, packed to twenty four dollars, killing shit. Um, so I, I had no thought of thought process of oh this goes with this weight and this weight and this weight and this weight. No, nah, none of that. It was just like give me the arrow, shoot it. Did I hit it? Perfect. Did I hit the target? Perfect. Target, 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 target. Perfect. Okay, this is where I need to hit my animals when I'm shooting, 
and since then I was shooting all kind of wild pigeon turkeys and uh, you know little little skunks and raccoons and doing all kind of you know fun fun delicious meals. Um, but yeah, that ended and I ended up meeting up with a bunch of buddies that rode motorcycles and um, they uh, wanted to go hunting and they invited me like real hunting, big game hunting with guns and I didn't have any guns. Uh, so my neighbor actually shout out to my neighbor. Let me borrow his 30 out six. I think I don't think you can do that in California, but you can, you can post that. I don't care. Um, uh, I borrowed his 30 out six, went down to Wyoming. We knocked on doors and, uh, that was like their hunting experience. And they were like, yeah, we're, we like Randy, but we're like Steve Ranella guy. I'm like, all right, well, cool. like who's Steve Ranella? I didn't really know who he was at the time. So I then started watching Steve Ranella and they're like, introducing me to the, to the Ranella side. And they're like, we're going to go to Wyoming for the the antelopes right the field uh the, the prairie the prairie field the field prairies right all right cool let's do it we're knocking on doors it was very uneventful for me uh it didn't feel it's okay let me reword that it was a very eye-opening experience it was not a uh the, the uh, experience i had trumped up in my head um but i would do it I, i've done it again since I will, I will go and knock on doors if I need to meet and like to hunt over and I ain't got none, no tags. You know, I'm going to go knock on the, Hey, can I shoot your antelope? Cause I just didn't get this, but so I'm gonna go do that. I, so I, I've done that, but I was had this whole thing in my head where I was going to do this amazing adventure and we're going to hike and we're going to do all this stuff. And, we're, and the guys I know, the guys I'm with, they've been hunting before. They, they, they know more than me. I've only done things like solo. So, I'm going to listen to these guys. And we were knocking on doors. It was very uneventful. I had a good, great time. I met a lot of awesome people in Wyoming and Sheridan. Sheridan's amazing. If you want to go to Sheridan, I'm just going to bust it out and go to Sheridan. And, um, you know, get, get you some antelope tags because they hate them out there. So uh, antelope and whitetail, uh, go do it. Uh, but um, it, it was a very eye-opening experience as far as how I wanted to see myself as a hunter so i came back i had meat in the freezer but i still had tags they were like 35 bucks to doe tag uh and i'm like you know what hey babe uh we got some more time off i don't start working until i work with the school district so i was off basically uh, for the winter hey let's just go back up and, uh see what we can do we can go pull some more tags i hit up some property owners and they were like yeah we have some connecting property to bln and we have this area she, she had like a it was a, a landowner. It wasn't a property. It was just like a, I, I guess it's connected to BLM, but it's private, but they allow antelope to go, but nothing else. Uh, and it was just this acres, 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 green grass and trees. I was like, you know what? I'm just going to go. I'm smoking a blunt in Wyoming uh, in the prairie, and I'm just going to go take a walk in this prairie and just smoke a blunt and just chill and just smoke my lady's here. The two dogs are here. She's walking. She's doing her own thing. She has a gun. She's hunting too. Let's go walk over here and chill. Boom! Big old, big old elk walks out. When would I have ever saw an elk? I didn't have an elk that. So but when would I have ever saw this big monster of an elk? That I guess the landowner said norm, normally doesn't doesn't come around. Uh, except for outside of hunting season, he's smart. I guess this was right outside of the zone, and he just came down from he was just chilling, just right in front of me. I could have shot him with a bow at thirty yards. He was not tripping, and I was just like, it was just an emotional hard on. And uh, later on, I ended up shooting a mule deer, uh, like 
but later on that evening and that was just a whole experience you know gotten in having my dog there and my old lady there and i was like my family right um oh, we're not we're doing our thing now but you know at the time it was my family, it was my family and that's what that's what happened so uh it was just this this is what this is what life gotta be like why not and uh i gotta show people what the what this is like because no one knows that you can do these things i go back and i'm sharing my meals with people and I hunted this, and now I'm eating it, and not, they're asking questions, and it just clicked in my head that people don't understand or realize that this is right here and accessible, and you can go do this, and it's, it's I mean, it's, I wouldn't say it's easy, but I will say if you are needing a vacation with your boys, and Vegas is outplayed, and you just want to go hang out and uh, have some reconnection, and, uh, you know, go hunting. That's, that's what I'm saying. And Wyoming is it, and that's it. Since then, I've just been spreading it out like crazy that you can do this. It's easy. There's easy hunts that you can do. There's harder hunts you can do. I'm going to do whatever I can do to show you guys how therapeutic this is for me. And then, boom, I had I got into a car accident. Now, it really kick-started this whole campfire evolution. When I got into a car accident, for months and months, I had no memory. Uh, they're doing everything they can in therapy. They're trying to pump me up with all this medicine, and I'm just like, I don't like medicine. Uh, I had very bad experiences as a child, ADHD, medicine. So I was like refusing everything. Everything that made my stomach hurt. Everything was just, it just did not sit well with me, and nothing worked. Uh, for months and months, I didn't remember shit until I started going outside and walking around and doing shit that they told me not to do. Tell me not to shoot your bow. Don't walk around. Don't work out. Nothing strenuous. Uh, don't shoot your gun. Don't none of that. And I just started doing all that shit, right? And that led to like plant ID, like figuring out what is this dandelion? Like these dandelions all look the same, but they're different. Why? Oh, they're all different dandelions. Okay, this is this is a uh, catnip, and this is a dandelion, and this is uh, a different kind of tail from dandelion. Oh, okay. Oh, these have different remedies. Oh, wait, these are good for your heart. Oh, wait, the root? You can make the root and use tea? And then, oh, mushrooms. And then everything just started clicking, 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 clicking. And I'm, I haven't even left the city yet. And I'm just like, this is dope. I need to start telling people about this. And then my brain started remembering things. The first memory I, I, I had was in February. And I remembered to do something. And uh, my partner, Cassie, was like, man, you were... You realize you just remember to do something. You 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 realize you said something earlier that you were gonna do. Then now it's that time, and you remembered to do it. And I was just like, "Holy shit, yeah!" And then I was just like, "That was its own celebration right there." And it was all because I was going outside. My boy Dale, Luke and Dale from Full Scale, making a hell fishing in Pell, Minnesota. You know what it is. He can take you out ice fishing. He came out to California, and we went uh, fishing in the bay. And he was like, "Dude." Like, I'm totally with you on, you know, helping you heal yourself. And, like, that was its own transformational moment where, okay, man, I need to do something. He's doing his own podcast, and he kind of inspired me to want to, like, you know what? I'm trying to, I need, I need to make a, and make the content more global and do something bigger to spread the awareness. And that's when I started, like, venturing into Campfire and started the nonprofit and started life coaching and working with people and working with adults. Uh, who are you know suicidal or under you know, under spectrum of autism or drug addicted, 
Um, and that's what kind of like sparked it all. And uh, yeah, haven't looked back since. Wow. So I, I, I've got to go back just a little ways here because I just want to make sure I understand this right. And I think I do. When you saw the Randy Newberg video that kind of popped up through you know YouTube or the Fire Stick device or whatever, anyway, the content came to you and what you're referring to now as a divine hunter-vention, which you're probably right is not in the dictionary, but that's one of the greatest tragedies is that it's not yet in the dictionary. So I look forward to seeing that happen. But when you saw that video, you'd never had a hunting experience before at that point? Um, I mean, hunting experience, no. I never, I never, I, I've, I've watched hunting shows and I've changed the channel prior. I've, I've been very turned off by hunting and, and hunters uh, in the past by watching shows. And um, yeah, I, I didn't have a lot of, didn't have a lot of like care or want or, or, or you know, any like, any means of wanting to keep myself watching this show and it was only for randy and his smile um because if it was anybody else I, it wouldn't have started um I, i'm trying to think of anybody else that, that would have would have did it and honestly i was at a different place already in hunting when i ran into steve uh, i don't know how it would have reacted uh watching me either um but uh i know that steve don't have that big old smile randy got i like you steve but yes you, you know He's got that big old charming smile, man. You can't, you can't, you can't be Uncle Steve's smile. So, um, I'm sorry, Uncle Randy's smile. You, you can't be Uncle Randy's smile. Uncle Randy got this the big old, the be, the biggest cheesiest smile that'll warm up, lighten up the room, and uh, that's what kept me watching. And I never had a hunting experience before that. My uncle Rick uh, hunts, but that's my god auntie's husband. Uh, he's from Arkansas, and he hunt, talks about hunting squirrels. Any kind of hunting stories that I heard were always negative about, um, you know, my family in the South when they lived in Georgia um, and how kind of what happened to them and kind of what was going on. And uh, there was nothing, no, nothing positive. So I was the, I definitely was, and the black sheep uh, when it comes to anything hunting, I'm definitely the, the new era black sheep that is revamping it family. Well, the other the other thing that's really interesting is that you started with bow hunting, right? Like, I'm I'm I grew up in a hunting household. I've been hunting as long as I can remember, uh, and going to a bow was kind of like a, uh, a, a a thing that you did after you had had been hunting for a period of time and had had gained some level of, of skill, or at least you thought you gained some level of skill. But your story about starting with bow hunting without having any prior hunting experience and without having a mentor is super unique. I mean, that's, that's just not something you hear about very often at all. Yeah. I think it was just, um, circumstances. I didn't have any money to buy a rifle. <laughs> so it was just, you know, that was the, that was the thing I could afford at, uh, as sportsman. And, uh, luckily it went up to, it went up to 50 pounds. Uh, I, I made sure that I can have something that can legally pass through a deer. And, you know, this was rounds that I got that with a PSD, uh, stinger. I think a PSC stinger and a, a black and purple one. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, that was what I started with and started shooting. And, um, that was once you, I mean, if you take off, if you make that your standard, it's kind of like, you don't think of anything else, right? Like I, I don't, I don't think of it as anything else because I just think of it as that's what I could, that's what I can get. That's what I, that's what, you know, that's what I, we can do. Um, uh, 
you know, that's the only thing he has to sell me. Uh, you know, there wasn't a lot of options, you know what I mean, on Craigslist. Uh, and there wasn't a whole lot of options as far as like uh, what to do when you, when I got the Bass Pro. It was just a matter of like, I get the hunting license and got to do this. So you know, it was just kind of like do it and um, kind of do it as cheap and as uh, economical as I could. And that was it. I didn't have any preconceived culture or, or, or notion or know-how uh, as to what uh, initiate what initiations or, or, or rite of passages uh, someone should take uh, to do stuff. But I guess I kind of live life that way, where I just kind of I do things and I just apply myself as hard as I can, and whatever the outcome is, uh, I don't look at well. This person took five years to accomplish it, so I should take me five years, or you know, if it takes me ten years, or if it takes however long shorter and that's how long it took me um but yeah yeah Mordo. no that's cool i mean it's 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 really neat it's just so unique and i'm curious how people responded how, how what was the reaction like you talked about your buddy that you you know go up and and observe deer in the mountains and do hikes and things like that when you started talking to your your close circle, your friends about yeah. this thing that you had essentially discovered, you know, this activity of hunting, what was, what was their reaction? Um, it was positive and curious, um, a lot more positive and curious than I imagined. Uh, and you know, it was, it, it almost felt like I was like a teacher talking to like, bunch of like students basically because they had no clue about a lot of the things that you can you can do uh right here in the bay area i've i've learned some things that you can go i can go right down the street and uh, i can apply i can apply for an area but i can go shoot ducks about 20 minutes away and i had no clue that i can do that um but yeah it just it felt like a teacher I felt like i was giving them uh this new knowledge and information and i was like preaching to the choir about these things that you can do and all these questions would come up. So I would have to make videos about like e-scouting and uh, how to start with your bow and how to shoot a bow and what, what bow you should get. Does it matter? Uh, arrows, fletchings, and then I start diving into all that stuff. Uh, and it just, it felt like um, I was a teacher and they were super curious, little, like a uh, little, little, like excited people who wanted to do this. And, uh, I think it was my perspective that really turned their ear towards, uh, towards, you know, towards me. Cause it, it, if it wasn't for me talking about like the love I have for the food and like how emotional I get when I, when I do harvest an animal, uh, I don't think they would have like, you know, wanted to listen to me. If I was just talking about how much I like to kill things and like shoot things, they might be like, dude, you need to get therapist, bro. Like, good. <laughs> That's wrong with you. But like, because I came at it like, man, it was very emotional. I got to feed. You guys are eating it right now. Like, I make, I make a lot of amazing food. I'm a very good cook. But it, it was just a, the way I expressed it and the way I communicated it and the way I, I like presented the meal and the way they saw me cooking it. And they, they were more curious and excited about joining me next time if we were uh you know anti that's when i realized that a lot of people just need to have a have someone else's perspective about what's happening versus like what you know what the mainstream is is is, is saying is happening uh yeah i got a really positive having even vegan 
vegan started talking to me about, uh, hey, you know, I don't like, you know, you hunting. I don't like that. And uh, after they have a conversation with me, they're, they got really nothing else to say. And it's positive. It's not like I'm slapping them in the face and I'm just a guy interaction. It's more like they're like, oh, wow, I never really thought of it like that. Never put that mindset on hunting and killing. And, uh, you know, it's relieving to be able to have an open conversation with someone who, who at first is not really listening to you but is waiting to respond. Um, but once you hit them with the emotion, you hit them with the logic, once you hit them with the, uh, the food and the fact that, you know, there's a logic, there's a logical conversation that need to be had. Like not everyone can afford to be vegan. There's not enough space to grow enough vegetables for everyone on the planet to be vegan. So like, there's all these issues that that we're that, that we need to face. People like to eat meat in some places. You can't grow food. You can't ship fresh food. So they need to eat meat. And so like, once you hit them with these these logics, okay, well those people they eat their food and they okay, well you okay, so you understand that the Eskimos that they do this right. So this is what I'm doing. I'm doing the same thing. Okay, I make bone marrow soup. I make chuck uh, roast when I'm when people are sick. I make steak Diane when I'm trying to impress somebody, and I'll butter roast the rump uh, for 60 days and and cook it up. And I I got all these furs. You guys can't see, but I got all these furs from all the animals that I've ever harvested, just hit, sitting in my in my room because I don't like to waste shit. And like I only do taxidermy because that shit costs money, and I'm I'm, I'm frugal. So I just tan them and I keep them and I just do make little arts and crafts and quivers and underwears and songs and shit out of them. And, uh, and, and it's fun as shit. And, uh, yeah. Just once I give them that perspective and let them know that, Hey, I make you a beaver song. They, everything changes. Man, that's a super refreshing testimonial. I, I, I mean, I really love hearing about that. One thing, you know, I've introduced a fair number of people into the activity of hunting. And one of the things that seems like, um, a, a, a point where mentorship really becomes important is once you shoot an animal, once you kill an animal. I, it wasn't too long ago that I was talking with a new hunter who was going out elk hunting and had an unsuccessful, well, I shouldn't say unsuccessful, as you and I both know, you know, anytime you're out there and connecting with nature and having the experience, it's certainly successful. But this particular hunter did not harvest an elk. And in talking with him after the hunt concluded, he told me the one thing, you know, is that I'm really glad I didn't get an elk because I would have had absolutely no idea what to do once I shot it. Those are huge animals. I wouldn't know how to get it out of the woods. I wouldn't know how to clean it. I don't know how to get the entrails out of it. And I'm curious how, how that experience was for you the first time you killed something or the first time you killed a large animal or whatever, you know, whatever um, really resonates with you and your memory as yeah. to how you manage that experience. Uh, luckily, I had a lot of pigeons. Uh, not pigeons, wood pigeons, because they're basically like big mountain pigeons. But I had a lot of experience with wood pigeons and turkeys and squirrels and shit before I shot anything larger, right? Uh, but the the cool thing about Wyoming and hunting with those group of guys is when uh, unsuccessful hunt, and this is going to be kind of a story upon a story, unsuccessful hunt in Wyoming on our, on our trip out, no one shot anything. We pull, we're driving into town in Sheridan, and we drive past this, uh, there's a really famous uh, Sheridan uh, cafe next, right next to a gas station. And if you've been in Sheridan and you've hunted, you might know what I'm talking about. But everyone drives past. Who lives there, they go there. Everyone knows each other. There's a sign that says, we are the police. 
If you know what I'm talking about, you know what I'm talking about. Now you know. Um, this dude had this huge buck hanging on his, in the back of his truck, right? And I'm like, pull over, dude. I'm going to talk to that guy, right? We're frustrated, right? Because we're, we're driving home, and we're driving home probably right at the time the deer are coming to walk out. We just don't know it, right? So we're, we're, we're driving back to our hotels, frustrated that we didn't, we woke up early and didn't see nothing and, you know, whatever. And this guy's like, oh, um, yeah, we shot this guy on my, my private property. And I'm like, oh, shit. Um, yeah, we have tags. We have specific tags for specific zones. He's like, oh, what zones do you have tags for? I have private property in a couple of different zones. I'm like, oh, well, he has this, he has that. I have this one. And he's like, oh, I have a lease for that one. I'm like, oh, really? He's like, yeah, why don't you come up early tomorrow and, and we'll go shoot one? I'm like, oh, cool. So tomorrow morning, picks me up uh, from, the, uh, from the hotel, drives me to his lease property, pulls up in his little Toyota, old school Toyota Tacoma truck, whatever, turns off the car, and we just sit there and chill. A deer doe comes walking out. I shot her. Uh, we went up to it. I cried a little bit. Uh, we gutted it. I kind of, you know, got a little messy, but, you know, he kind of guided me through the, you know, kind of, you know, puncture the, the skin and put your finger in the lift and make a zipper sort of, you know, like a V and kind of slide your knife between that and then kind of cut the butthole, cut around the butthole. Everyone has their own different method. I've learned for, for cutting, for getting the, 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 the urinary tract out. And this is something that I've, I haven't done ever since actually, because it just gets messy, but cutting around the butthole and then pulling out the, the urinary tract. He did it very clean and successful, but I've never been able to mimic that. So I, I just kind of, I, I, I break that hip bone. I just open it up and flip it over. And yeah, that's how I try to get it. I, I do not do well with the urinary tract. I, I struggled with that, but he guided me through the whole thing. He, I, I did most of it. Um, once I started gutting it and, and piecing it apart, I kind of took over because um, you know I just wanted to kind of flesh it and do my own thing. And I, I, I got it. And we were sleeping in a hotel. We thought it would be a great idea. Uh, instead of getting a refrigerator, we would keep it, it keep the room as cold as possible, keep the air conditioner on as cold as possible, uh, and uh, buy some ice bags, put everything in the bathroom, and just keep like the bathroom at a really cold, cold temperature, and the whole room at a very, very cold temperature. It worked; it kept it clean and, and you know fresh and all that stuff. But it was, it was uh, in retrospect, probably not the best idea uh, to have a bunch of bloody meat in a hotel uh, bathroom. Excuse me. <laughs> That, that's so funny that you say that because I I was recently after this trip from Montana actually where I had to deal with a limit of ducks and a couple of Canada geese and we were staying in that pretty fancy hotel and I uh, had to get those prepared for the flight back to New Mexico uh, that the first flight that they would need to take unalive and so I, I was joking with buddies about writing a book about how to properly process uh, animals in a in a hotel room we talked about turkey, of <laughs> like searing duck breasts with the iron and <laughs> yeah that's smart right there <laughs> it was it was pretty funny but one of the things that i'm i'm really happy to hear about is how welcoming the folks that you met in wyoming were because i mean let's face it Arnando, the reality is you don't look like most hunters you don't look like most hunters in wyoming especially and so I'm just super happy that that people embraced your desire to get into this opposed to, to people being more skeptical of your interest. Wyoming and uh, 
Bozeman, Montana are the, I can't even explain the amount of love, the amount of time, the experience of in Wyoming, uh, in different places, in, in Rosette, uh, Sheridan, uh, Cheyenne, like everywhere I've stopped in middle of bum town nowheres, I've gotten so much love on the way home from in Wyoming. It's amazing. Wyoming is amazing. Uh, each time I've went, I've always made a friend. Each, the last time I went to Wyoming, uh, I went up there after a really bad trip in Montana, Columbia Falls. That was bad, bad experience. <laughs> in Columbia Falls, I got the got to dodge. <laughs> Go to Wyoming, and I'm like, yeah, I got a whole month. I planned a whole month. I'm trying to film content. I'm like, no, I'm doing this. I got cameras that are cheap as shit, cameras, not very good quality. I had a camera quarter, and I had all this gear, and I had food, and Peak Refuel sponsored me, so I had a bunch of freeze-dried food I was going to live off of for a month, big dummy. Um, and uh, I get out there, and... The second day, I set up my big ass tent on the bottom of some hill. I'm in an area. It's elk season um, for another couple of weeks, and then the deer season opens up. It got there a little earlier because I was trying to hunt bears in Montana before I did that. But that's fine. And uh, the second day I go up there, some dude drives past me in a in a white jeep, a uh, little like like four door jeep uh, that kind of lifts like an all SUV jeep something. And um, say, hey, bud, how you doing? I'm like, oh, you know, I'm just, you know, you want to ride? I'm like, sure. I hop in his car. He drives me up there. We're looking at it. Like, yeah, but I just shot an elk over here, but just a couple days ago. Smoke. I'm just like, oh, shit. Yeah. You know? <laughs> we're chilling. We're hanging out. We're, you know, I'm, I'm smoking and they're hanging out. They're chilling. Somebody else is, shows up. Hey, bud. You know, I haven't seen you in a long time. Like, oh, yeah. Da, 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 da. And they're talking and we're all talking and having a good time. And we head back down and he's like, hey, bud, uh, you can't be here by yourself. I'm like, yeah, he's like, hey, well, if you want to shower, just come over to my house. Actually, if you want to spend the night or sleep or get somewhere warm, just come on over. It should be snowing pretty soon. Like, no, it's okay. He's like, no, okay, whatever. He came over to give me his number a couple days, like a, a day later. And uh, he's like, you know, we're making elk chili. Why don't you come over and ask him elk chili? We're going to do a Wyoming thing where we make a cinnamon roll uh, elk chili, especially cinnamon and elk chili. It's like cornbread and, and chili, right? But they use a cinnamon roll. I'm like, no, okay, sure, I'll come over. Came over. I ate, had a blast. But you know what? No, you're not camping there by yourself. Uh, I don't have, I don't get off work in front of the week, so you're going to be hunting by yourself for another week. But after this week's over, you're not hunting by yourself, you're hunting with me. Right. Cool. I'm sleeping at his house. Some guy I just met, has a family, has kids, friend, all the stuff, like, just invites me to his house and goes to work. And, like, just trust me enough. So like, well, of course, his wife has a big ass gun with a like a hundred round clip in the bedroom. So I, I don't think he was very worried about me doing anything. But still, it was like, holy fucking shit! Like this is, treat this, this is like this is like hospitality to the to the tip. Then he takes me hunting, takes me to a bunch of spots I would have never found in this zone. It's a very residential zone with like blurbs of, of public, right? Takes me to this beautiful route. Uh, mine reclaim. This is where you gotta be. This is where you gotta be, bud. Or shoot yourself a dandy. Shoot yourself a dandy, bud. Okay, come here, bud. <laughs> all right. <laughs> Next morning, shot myself a dandy, and it was all because it, Wyoming is the best, is what I'm saying. And and Bozeman, Montana, I've just nothing but love all through uh, 
driving up all to in, in Bozeman, Montana, had nothing but uh, an amazing time. When I, I went up there two other times, both with Randy, or three other times, I both with Randy hunting, and then up to the the conference the third time, and each time it's just been amazing. God, that's so great to hear. I mean, I, I just absolutely love hearing those stories and hearing the stories of, of good people doing the right things and helping out, you know, fellow sports people, just fellow people in general. And, you know, the I, having grown up in a kind of a hunt, the hunting community, there's a lot of territorial disputes, there's battles, there's competition to some extent. And, and I think it's getting better. I think we're becoming a, a more welcoming community a community that embraces mentorship more than what we used to i mean used to be that everybody's secretive nobody wants to share any information oh yeah um and and anyway that i just i'm so glad to hear you talk about it in that way and and share your experience a few episodes back we had i had the guys from hoodneck i don't know if you know those guys chris and mayberry from hoodneck but uh had them on the show and their stories you know very similar to yours in and how they got into the outdoors and how they got connected to this kind of thing. And Chris is a, a military vet and you know, they're, they're, they really spend a lot of their time creating content about firearms and about firearm safety and about these things. And they, you know, they tell stories about, oh, having, yeah. you know, been younger and kind of like, you know, in the, with the wrong crowd and firearms had an entirely different context yeah, in that yeah, yeah. time Big in their time. lives, you know, compared to today. But um, but they've shared some stories that, that I, with me, and I don't know whether they were on the podcast or off the podcast or what. We Actually, I was with those guys in Wyoming, interestingly enough. I think we were in uh, – no, never mind. I'm sorry. We were in Oklahoma. We were at a conference in Oklahoma. Um, but some of their stories are, are pretty powerful. But they – it seems like, if I'm recalling correctly, they were not uh, – it, they were they were not as well embraced at the beginning of their journey into this community. I, yeah, it. I didn't have a choice. It was either you you find money to eat or you find food to eat. Uh, so it was it was, it was easy for me because I it, it was just a matter of of putting yourself in a in a spot where uh, you can just chill and hang out. And that's kind of how I did. I didn't really do a lot of like, like, you know, hunting. I just kind of like would walk out to a spot where I knew there would be some action uh, or some, some birds or whatever, some beautifulness and just kind of find a, a good view and just sit down and just chill and wait. I didn't have nothing to do for time, but wait, I'll just chill. And uh, soon enough, I'll see something or someone will walk by and I would just quack and uh, get to eating. Uh, and, you know, I, I didn't have no other choice. I, it was, it was, it, it, I wish I could say that I, you know, I, no, I don't, I, this is how it happened. I don't really have a, it, it's just, you know, I don't have like a, oh, I'm so proud of myself. It's just, this was the circumstances that I had and I just rocked with it. And, uh, you know, it's people, everyone has their own like entrance and their own, their own des- destiny. And I, I don't want anyone to be homeless and start hunting. For sure. So if you can, you know, do it the, the, the responsible way. Don't do it like me. Don't be like me. But, uh, you know, I'm just going to, everything I do, when I turn the switch and decide this is what I'm going to do, there's nothing that I'm not going to try to accomplish. Uh, that's just kind of it. There's nothing that I won't try to accomplish. Uh, but once I decided that I'm going to hunt, I'm going to be good with this bow. 
Uh, I kind of just started dissecting how I can be as efficient and good with the bow as possible. And uh, I got, you know, hyper-focused, obsessed, uh, as some kids and folks with ADHD tend to do. And I want to get hyper-focused on something. I want to shoot it all the time, all every night, wake up in the morning, shoot, 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 100 arrows a day, shoot, 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 shoot. And uh, that took over my life. And then it led me to my, my, my recurve love. Uh, I haven't touched a compound bow in over like a year and a half. <laughs> but I've been so in love with this whole like wooden uh, experience. Uh, and uh, even that, that, that is its own like addiction that I cannot even explain. Its own reconnection, I can't even, I can't even begin to elaborate on and, and, and convince people of, wow, this is amazing. Uh, but that's like, that's like aside from hunting. Like to me, there's hunting, there's the outdoor stuff, and then there's like archers, trad archery. And that's like own unknown love and passion I never thought I would have. It was a complete accident that I even like fell in love with it. And uh, it was just like, oh my God, I can't believe I haven't been doing this the whole time. <laughs> yeah, I, I'll tell you, I, I love shooting a recurve also. it's uh, I have a recurve and a longbow. I generally don't hunt big game with them because I'm not super proficient because I don't practice as often as I need to. I have killed cottontail rabbits with the recurve, but one of my goals as a hunter is at some point in my life, I want to make a self bow. I want to, I want to build a bow Ooh, yeah. by myself and then use that bow to hunt. Yeah. That's a dope, that's a dope goal, man. I, I definitely want to partake in, in something like that too. Uh, yeah, that sounds, I, I, I follow this guy on uh TikTok. Me and him follow each other. The arrow sniper. He does a lot of good work making self bows and he makes it seem fairly easy. Um, uh, as far as like, you know, simple, uh, you know, making it as, uh, make it oh, as simple as you want or as elaborate as you want. But now he makes a pretty uh, nice video of how-tos from the log collection, the collection uh, to your first chop or whatever. Uh, and he does a really good detailed job on how to do that. But I should definitely watch and uh, start diving into making my own self Definitely, I, 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 I'm so hyper-focused on right now getting my first big game down with my recurve that, like, that's my only objective is uh, I want to get super close to a bear or a deer and um, put him down. That's the only thing I can afford as <laughs> a bear tag in deer tag in California. But, yeah, so anything I can get close to, uh, I want to, you know, I'm I'm extremely confident uh, back to about 35 yards. My bobbly recurve bow uh, uh that, that so that's like that's my that's my that's my kill that's my comfortable i'm guaranteed to put the arrow where it needs to be at 35 yards um that's honestly most of the hunting lanes that you have in california are under that uh because all the underbrush so it's like perfect i just can't wait to have a clean opportunity to film myself hunt with it and, and you it's a crazy addiction and um yeah, it kind of it took over a little bit my my identity. I even cut my hair for uh, my bow, my trad bow. I didn't cut my hair for my compound bow. I would never cut my hair for my compound bow, but I cut my hair for my reperv. I, I I did. I I I said, you know what? This is getting in my way. I can't see the string flings my hair. I'm cutting it off. I'm cutting this part off. I cut the right side only and the front. Not sure if anyone noticed that, but only the right side is cut. 
and the front because I three finger and I, I I hold my left and I pull back with my right and um, that's how crazy I am about recurve. Boy, that's that's neat, man. And I, I want to go back to the food thing. You mentioned that you're a that you're a great chef. Was that did you have that interest? Were you involved in all of these culinary explorations prior to getting into hunting or was it hunting that that really increased your interest in cooking hunting increased everything and it definitely increased my my interest in cooking uh i didn't start i started with like everyone else does steak uh stews burger uh ground that's it right first couple years that's kind of what i did but it got boring I got super just kind of like, I just remember being like, man, I got to do something special with this. I think I got my first buck. I got my first buck. I'm like, I got to do something special with this buck. I can't just like, I can't just do like the basic. So my auntie got me the, the Buck Buck Moose book by Hank Shaw. And I started flipping through that. And he just has these amazing recipes that nobody ever talks about trying right so I'm, oh there's this and there's that and steak diane and all these different kinds of like flavorful juicy wine using all kinds of all kinds of amazing combinations of, of flavors right so after that year uh i went and had a bunch of more meat a bunch of antelope a bunch of uh deer meat the following year and i said to myself Nothing I do with these meals is going to be something I've ever done before. So I started making uh, like cultural meals, like uh, mus- like uh, meals that you would uh, typically find in the culture of Islam. Uh, meals that you would typically find in uh, the culture in Thailand. Uh, or meals that you would find in Africa. Uh, Mexico. Cuba. Uh, I'm just looking up these cultural recipes and how-tos and instead of using the beef or the pig or the whatever i was using uh deer or or uh, antelope and um i was kind of like you know that was kind of like my thing and that it all is it's all started because of a need to uh be different or like try different things and my my need to be uncomfortable uh, on piled on top of my love for hunting. Boy, that is that that's really cool. And Hank Shaw was on our last episode of the podcast and sharing some recipes. And so, folks that are interested in learning more about Hank, uh, if you haven't listened to that episode already, go back and check it out. And also, uh, check out Hank's books and his Facebook group and uh, website and all that stuff. All the information's on the last episode there. But I, I'm curious, Arlando, what what's our time frame here? So, what year was it that you, that that you saw that first uh, no 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 that's I'm just curious what what year it was when you saw that first Randy Newberg episode because what you're accomplishing currently in the hunting space and in conservation which we'll get a little more into in a minute is incredibly impressive and I'm I'm wondering how long it took from that very first exposure to Randy Newberg's program until today uh that was 2016 17 2016 wow, so March, we're, we're uh, March, five, five, yeah, five, six years basically that yeah. you've been at this. Uh huh. That's about it. Yeah. Man, and that's a that's a really 
short length of time to accomplish all the things you've accomplished. I mean, you've created Campfire Evolution. Do you want to talk a little bit more about the mission of the organization and, and kind of what it is you're doing and what current challenges you're facing with Campfire Evolution? Oh, big time. So Campfire Evolution uh, started as a, a life coach, uh, life coaching experience. Essentially, uh, I just, it's a, a means of uh, creating a space in the outdoors to to get rid of your trauma. And it started off with uh, working with children under spectrum of autism and um, having clients essentially uh, hire me from the school district. I would work, I worked for the school district, I worked in classroom with these kids. Uh, and it kind of led to, you know, parents wanting to hire me. And I found that no matter how much work I did with the kid, if there's not work being done with the family, there's nothing that can be accomplished uh, because I can be there for, you know, eight hours a week. But as soon as I leave, you guys are with him for the rest of the day. So like all the behaviors that I've taught him or I'm trying to teach him can be, or her uh, can be unlearned very easily by, by traumatic experiences or by, uh, you know, uh, you know, complacency in the household uh, and so on and so forth. So what I would, do is offer my services in like a event setting so instead of going to your house and doing therapy one-on-one we would go to parks and we would do therapy as a group and it wasn't necessarily therapy it was more so i would run the program the program can be anything from like a task that uh, the individual needs to accomplish and i'm only speaking for children under spectrum of autism and adults under, under autism, spectrum of autism and emotional uh and emotional distress so um Anything like other, like related to like, you know, someone who left their wife or their, you know, got cheated on, that's a whole different process. But uh, I would have a process, uh, like a, a goal. So if the goal for, uh, let's just say, Edmund was to complete his meal before leaving, uh, I would run the process of what I want Edmund to do and how I accomplish Edmund to, to finish his meal before leaving. And then I would have his family do it. And we would just all, like, it would be very, very casual. I would just do it right in front of them. They would watch me do it, kind of interact. I'd be like, okay, hey, can you guys take over? I'm going to go kind of go wash the dishes and get some food ready. And I would, they would kind of do their thing. And they would, once they got taken out of their stressful environments, right, once they got taken out of their house, once they got taken out of, of the, you know, their, their, the, the traffic, they just walked in the door from, and now there's a screaming uh, child or a screaming adult. Or the, once they got that, rid of the extra stressors, they were able to focus on the family stressors, right? And that's what's more important. Like all the extra driving and the gas and the person at work and the person who cut you off and the money that you owe and all that shit is external, but like your family is internal. So like people tend to put the external into the internal and it causes more friction when really you just got to deal with that internal and check that external out the door. Sometimes it's hard. I do. I struggle with myself, but teaching them how to regain their own tribal ship uh, without having any, any, any other anger issues. You have a house, you have a kid full of uh, family full of five, three kids. One has autism. The other ones don't. The one who has autism is getting, getting all the attention. There's resentment there. There might be one savior child who's going to be like, you know, I'm the, I'm the awesome one who's going to help, but the other one's kind of left in the dark. And that happens so often that the parents don't even see it. They don't even see it like that because that's just how life is. So they don't they don't see that, hey, I wanted to go to do jujitsu. Well, we can't because someone just had a seizure and we got to go to the hospital. 
or hey, I had a dance. Oh, well, we can't because this like all the time stuff like this happens, and it's become complacency in their life. Well, this is just life. I'm sorry, we got to cancel everything because this is our kid. But you know, understanding that they're he's a kid too, or she's a kid too, and they have a life and they have things that they want to do, and you can't base everything off of all the time off of you know off of one individual, and, and it just got to a point where. Uh, and I would step in and kind of create the new tribe. And for people who were uh, struggling with drug addiction, um, I would take them and essentially we would just go on these quests for periods of time. Um, week, two weeks uh, was the longest. And uh, essentially it would be like through hikes uh, in an area that was, that was, you know, moderately challenging to get through. And uh, just listening and doing talk therapy outside of a and i'm not a therapist but doing listening and doing talk therapy outside of uh an office room or outside of doing a zoom call now everyone's in the one zoom like outside in nature breathing air breathing fresh air scraping your knee on 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 the uh on the white thorn uh you know getting through the the, the thick weed uh picking fresh berries and talking about how your narcissistic uh, wife is taking the kids and you're not able to see them, but you don't know what to do because anything you do will screw you with the lawyers and all this stuff. Having a place to talk about all that stuff and not feel like, um, am I for having feelings? Am I, should I, I not feel like a little punk for having emotions? Uh, that's kind of what I provided. That's what I did to a lot of people. There's a lot of people who are going through things who didn't have a means, didn't feel comfortable going to like a licensed professional who's going to be writing down things and jotting it down and the next thing you know they're pulling your medical records in court and you're like wait you told a therapist this hold on um and it happens so like you know it's just uh, uh there's a place in the outdoors for mental health and there's a place in the outdoors for therapy and i made campfire revolution to to help people tap into that and uh that's kind of how it all started with somebody who was on drugs and other other people who had uh, children under spectrum of autism. And I realized that all the therapy is what there's way more leaps and bounds accomplished when there's a pine tree next to me versus when there's, you know, four walls and paint. Yeah, that's, that's powerful. And uh, the work you're doing is super important. And I mean, you're changing lives and, and your introduction presentation you talked about how you're going to get more people into the outdoors and what you also mentioned is that that's necessary for the future of these public lands curious if you want to touch on that just a little more as well yeah um i think that the only reason i started is because you know i bumped into good old randy and i seen this big old smile on his face so i think that the only way to uh change the culture of hunting uh change the I don't want to change the culture, but change the trajectory of what hunting will be in the future, uh, making it more of a lunchbox item rather than a, a novelty, uh, making it so that, you know, there is a school day where all the kids are expected to go out and hunt, even in the city. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like having, having it be like a acceptable, uh, uh, thing that everyone does is my goal and the way to accomplish that is to create content that people relate to that people like uh, 
I started with rap music, right? I started with making hunting rap, uh, hunting rap stuff, and and that actually I did pretty well with that, and that sort of led to you know what I need to make my own documentary and and show people, and that didn't come out how I wanted it to exactly, so I just took the bullet down and bought more cameras and more gear and got motivated by Randy and said you know what I'm gonna do this 100% me 100% the way I want to show it, like my experience, and having 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 like a real uh person i want to say go out and show you all the things that i'm going to be doing is what people need if you, and if you when i say that you watch a reality tv show you well not you but people watch reality tv shows and there's some quote quote unquote real life person there that person without having any exposure to anything else, no one would even know about it. But because they're on TV, because they're being, you know, pumped, you know, pumped and published and edited and shot and there's sounds and drones and, and gimbals, because of that, this person who's doing whatever, it can be Life Below Zero or it can be the Kardashians, are super, super famous for whatever reason of what they're doing. And they can be poisoned. They can be putting silicone in their bodies they can be a thousand pounds they can have uh seven kids under under the age of whatever and that will make them super popular and super rich so why not take some hunting stuff some mushroom salvaging and some plant id and some mushroom id and some bird watching and some mountain climbing and some everything else that i like to do right and make a dope-ass show about me doing what i do how i do it right chilling smoking a blunt, uh, hanging out, talking about shit, cooking good food, crying, uh, talking about my emotions, talking about why I love what I do, talking about what brings me here. Why don't I do that and put it on uh, on the big screen? And this is kind of on simultaneously. There's other shows that are trying to cast me for other other net, other other shows that they have, like their their mindset on me doing. And I signed to a couple couple shows that got postponed by the network. Too much. But anyway, uh, but in that, I met a bunch of producers and a bunch of network executives, and they were like, you know what? I like your show. Why don't you write up a couple episodes and see what we can do? Uh, and I was like, you know what? Sure. I, I, I got it. I got the production layout. So I started writing production layouts, and the production team, they loved it. They were like, look, this is dope. This is gold, but we're going to wait uh, for, for our show to come out, and then we'll focus on your show. Um, but you know, just hold on, sit tight, Orlando. Uh, you know, we have we have some shows coming up. You're our number one guy. We're gonna pump you up when when the when when, it, when the show comes out. You know, you're gonna be on it, and then after that show comes out, you're gonna be able to do whatever you want. I'm like, oh, that's great, that's perfect. Thank you so much. And as soon as I'm on the phone, I'm like, yep, I'm filming this shit myself. <laughs> like, that's great, but like, I'm not gonna wait to film something that I know I can do. I already have the cameras. I already got the gear. I already have the the resources. Do it. I already, I already wrote all eight episodes of of a production layout of when, where's, who, and what, and the uh, the message. So I need to do this myself. And um, you know, it's as soon as I get it to a place where I can market it and put it out there, it's gonna take. It's gonna be gold. The people I got interested. I mean, I just shook hands with Mike Tyson. I just uh, hung out with. I'm not sure if anyone's gonna recognize these names. Stan Quinn, Ezel, um, Bill Romanowski, 
I was just hanging out with a bunch of big people that I have constant connections with that want to be in the outdoors. Corey, uh, primetime Anderson, uh, from, from, he's, he's a ex USC fighter, went down to Bellator. That man is, is down for me. I got so many people that want to be on the show. Quinea Love Jones, uh, super Instagram model, wants to be on the show and talking about her experiences. All these people are already lined up, ready to rock and get these episodes filmed and talk about all the different, like, desires and needs and loves and passions, all the things that we can do and accomplish. And once we, once we accomplish that goal, putting it out there, marketing in it, all it has to do is hit the, hit the, hit the schools basically. And once it hits the schools and now you got, you know, all the kids doing my little hunting dance and singing my little hunting songs, just like twerking, it's going to catch. And now you got, instead of little girls, uh, twerking and, and shaking their butts and their, then their mom started doing it and they started doing videos with their girls and now it's going to be, now I'm shooting a bow with my girl and now I'm going to try, hunt it with my girl instead of twerking where we might be shooting a bow because that's the culture I'm trying to create uh, and that's what that's what it takes really, it takes just inspecting the minds of the young, making them change the parents and then once the, once the kids change the culture, the parents will have to change because no one wants to not give their kid what they want, right? No one, no one does. No one wants to have their kid be that one person who doesn't have this or what or that, right? Once you change the minds of the kids, minds of the culture, create the love, create the passion, create the content, aim towards the younger audience, aim towards the teenagers, aim towards the young adults, then you can begin to change the minds of the of the voters, the, the people with the money and the and the influence and the and the then then you can go from there. And that's my goal that's what i'm trying to do and uh it's hard because i mean sony a7s are not expensive are not cheap they're they're very expensive this audio gear i got to create good audio sound sounding audio is, is is expensive uh everything that i've bought i've done all the stuff that i have is, is not nothing's been given nothing's been well yeah, things have been given, but like, you know, so someone gave me like backpacks and they got some sponsors too, but all the equipment, all the gear, all the all the like the stuff to make the show, the gimbals, the drones, it's all me. I and that shit is not cheap. And I busted my ass. I worked hella jobs when when they were hiring. <laughs> I worked hella jobs, 100-hour work weeks at, at some of these jobs just to build up enough money to be able to make this content. Thanks for Randy Newberg telling me uh, that I needed this stuff to make good quality content, but this is what I needed and I got it and now I'm ready to film it and um, it's more expensive. So you got to plan hunts, you got to have filming permits, uh, you got to have, you have to have money to have time off, you have to have a camera guy to film it, you have to have all these things need to, need to line up for it to happen and I'm just going to keep doing what I do and driving and motivated and keep going and going and going uh, there's nothing else for me to do. Like I can't stop now. I have I have it. The dreams there. I have the, the talent. I have the the drive. I have the, the the clean enough equipment to put it together and make it desirable to listen to and to watch. Now I just need to put it together, make the music behind it. I have rap songs to go with each episode. Uh, having people featured on the raps that that costs money. It's this whole thing. All this stuff is production, and soon as I can, soon as I do that. Which is going to happen, um, and it'll no doubt in my mind it'll it'll blow up. It's an expensive, slow building process, uh, but I have no doubt in my mind that it'll 
it'll take off and it'll blow up and uh either either after the show before the show with with whatever show if the show ever happens uh my mind's not stopping my, my brain's not stopping my heart's not stopping and uh whatever i have to do as far as i get i'm not stopping until uh my time on this planet is well, I have no doubt about the unbelievable success that's going to be had by by you, by Campfire Evolution, by this this immense project that you're discussing. And I think that can be evidenced by the fact that five years ago, roughly, you, you were you were packing up to move out of a a house that you were being evicted from, and five years later, this is where you are, and this is what you're doing. And I hope that serves as an inspiration to everybody listening to this. And um, before we wrap up, what can what can our listeners do to support you, to support this work, to help uh, make you know make this this thing happen? I mean, I have no doubt you're going to make it happen. I just want to know what we can do to support you as you do that. Uh, honestly, I just I sponsor sponsors would be the the help that I need. Um, I I really don't even know what to ask for because I, I everything. It you know, it's just a matter of uh, you know, money opportunity is what I need. I need a means of, of 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 being able to film something and make something happen without like uh like restriction. I know I'm I'm not even sure how that's gonna sound, but it's hard to put one thing to it. Um, honestly, but just support me. Just check me out. Support me. Um, you know, follow me. Give me a like. And, uh, you know, if you see, you know, Campfire Revolution somewhere, uh, show me some love. But, um, you know, it's, it's just a grind and you got you to gotta either have the money to do it or you don't. Like Randy puts up his own money for his show um, and he, he, he does it all on his own. So if there's anything that I've learned is like you can't ask for handouts, got to put the boot to the, to the pavement and you got to do it, right? So, um, you know. I just got to put the boost to the payment and, and film it and, and make the money and, and do it. And, uh, you know, if anyone wants to hire me to film a wedding or do some photography, <laughs> that'd be dope. I can make, I can make some, uh, some money doing that, but you know, I really just need to be able to put this down on paper and, and write it down and then do that. Flight tag prices, um, you know, gas getting there, you know, having, having, uh, you know, the, transportation while I'm, while I am somewhere, uh, getting back, all that stuff kind of is, is, is where it adds up, uh, all, all the most. So, um, if anyone can help, if you have a place that you want to, um, you know, let me film on, um, gosh darn filming permits are, are super hard and I'm not in the place right now to be managing that all on my own. Um, but yeah, just support me, just check me out and show me some love, uh, give me a like, and um, I mean, I I don't know. I, asking for shit just seems weird. You just gotta, just gotta, just gotta get it. Yeah, you gotta, <laughs> you gotta get it. So if somebody out there is like, hey, we're gonna sponsor you, and 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 you're gonna be our our rep, and we're gonna do, then fine, that's perfect. Let's give me a sponsor and help me get some money so we can make the content, and uh, I can make this hunting show and focus on just creating beautiful, amazing content, and uh, yeah, a funny, funny. Episode funny draw dropping content. So I'm telling you the shit that we'd be talking about on these hunts, on these plates, on these events, on these mushroom scavenges, man, we get into some funny ass, crazy ass shit. So once once folks see my recipe for for the show I got, they see the reality style spin on the outdoors and 
the kooky, fun, chill, you know, Bay Area, gold deep, 1970, driving rap music, switching to Fleetwood Mac, switching to some banda music. Once they see the flow and the style and the culture and what I'm going to do, um, it's going to pay for itself and it's going to do, it's going to create its own revenue. It's going to do it. But it's just hard. To care. Um, I'm not even sure if I answered your question, but if anyone can help me, just show me some love. Show me, give me some, give me some, uh, you know, some, some, some high five, give me a hug, uh, and keep me motivated because, uh, I am poor and, uh, this is a hard thing to be paying for. But other than that, um, just be nice, be loved and show, show kindness and love to someone else. And if you see somebody else, who is just starting out hunting, an onset hunter, uh, don't be afraid to take them out or invite them to your private property or, you know, don't be afraid to let that person driving by looking at your, uh, that beautiful buck on your property. Don't be afraid to walk up to them and, hey, you want to come shoot him? Um, that's what you can do for me. And, you know, just create more of a loving, inclusive, uh, and caring mindset around the animals we're eating and uh, activities will work partaking and be safe don't be stupid and make more laws that that's why laws get invented because people are stupid and give us a bad rep but other than that love and be loved that's it boy that's really good stuff Orlando and I can't wait to get you out here to New Mexico I got all kinds of ideas running around in my head about things we can do places we can go and how we can capture some super awesome content so I know you and I will be talking a lot more going forward but um until then, thank you so much for, for being so generous with your time, for you know joining the show and telling people about what it is you're doing. And uh, thank you so much for the mission that you've created and the impact that you're having because everybody uh, across the country is benefiting as a result of it. So I, I can't thank you enough, brother. I really appreciate you. Man, this is honestly my pleasure. Uh, this I get way more pleasure out of this than you can probably imagine. This is not a tour for me. If there's any time where you want to you know, spend some more time talking about anything else, ever shy to ask i will be i will schedule some time to to make this podcast for you talk about whatever you want to hash out this was a pleasure talking to you thank you for everything and um it's all about changing lives so let's bridge some minds change some lives on backshot better time beautiful thanks orlando thank you thanks for listening to the ahiva podcast produced by driftwood outdoors